Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. Today, I have Lori Beth Aldridge here to talk to us about parenting and homeschooling. Uh, She's from the podcast Elevating Motherhood. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Aloha, Cody. Thank you so much for having me. I am Lori Beth Aldridge. My family and I recently moved to North Idaho after being on Maui for almost 19 years. That has been a crazy transition, but it turns out we really love seasons and we really love winter. Um, I started the podcast Elevating Motherhood over three years ago to help resource and encourage moms in our modern world that just gives us all kinds of messaging that puts us down and leaves us confused. So I just want to be a voice of encouragement and motivation and provide perspective and different resources. And hopefully we, the goal of the podcast is to put on as many lenses as possible and kind of see things through different lenses and the bigger picture so that we can find peace and confidence in our motherhood journey. So that's what I do. Um, I am married to my husband, Chris. We've been married um, almost 10 years. We're kind of up on our 10 year wedding anniversary and that feels pretty big. Congratulations. Thank you. We have four children and I love them so much. My oldest is nine. My second is seven. My third will be six um, in a couple of weeks. And then at 42 and 45, we decided to hit the reset button and not only move to North Idaho, but have another baby. So now I have a son and he just made one. Big steps. <laughs> yeah, We just like to switch it up, just hit reset on everything every once in a while. <laughs> so we felt with number six and He's currently for sale. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, Most of my listeners, you know, they're used to my stories of Branch because he's a little entertaining. (laughs) Oh, I love that name. That's awesome. Yeah. It actually came from Longmire. It's a TV show about a sheriff in Wyoming. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. I need to watch more television. It's it's a good, it's from the Longmire mystery series. It was oh. originally books and it's on Netflix. We loved it. I love this. We were talking a little bit before you hit record mm-hmm. and I wrote down so many things that I need to look into shows and apps and all kinds of good stuff. You're a great resource. <laughs> it, it all just comes into my head and stays there. So I guess I might as well share it with someone. <laughs> it's awesome. It's now on my notepad. Thank my you. husband's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that why we have podcasts? (laughs) Exactly. He said it is the dream job for me because I can either talk to myself or someone else for hours at a time. So I feel that wholeheartedly. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I love your message about, you know, just all the pressures we have as mothers and just sorting that out. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Mm hmm. I am a big opt-outer and I found out in the last couple of years that there are people who do not appreciate opt-outers and kind of feel mm. like we're a little bit of a threat to society, which shocked the heck are. out of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it shocked me and also encouraged me and made me proud all in the same moment. So when I started my motherhood journey, oh, my oldest daughter was like three months old and my husband and I were being super mean to each other. And mm. 
it was sleep deprivation and mm-hmm. I had no idea, but that sleep deprivation came from me trying to opt into what people said modern motherhood was supposed to look like. And so I bought the crib. I bought a million dollar baby crib. That's the brand name of it. And <laughs> it was the most expensive laundry basket I've ever bought. And I bought the pack and play and put that next to the bed because, you know, you shouldn't bed share and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And this is the safety thing. And you should have this amount of clothes and these carriers and this, 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 and this. And I had checked all those boxes because I had worked as a personal assistant for a long time. And I liked ticking off those boxes and making sure I had everything. And the baby came and I did everything that everyone said modern moms are supposed to do. And I was miserable. I was sleep deprived and I was the meanest I'd ever been to another human being. And by that, I mean to my husband. And one day we were fighting about something and terrible invasive thoughts were coming into my head. Like I could do this myself. I do not need this much opposition. And you over there telling me all this stuff, you know, I could do it myself. But I remember very distinctly in all of the madness standing in the hallway and going, I am just so tired. And that was like the moment that I actually spoke the truth of my motherhood, which Mm -hmm. was not the truth. Wasn't that I needed all these gadgets. The truth wasn't that I could do it myself or that I even wanted to do it myself or that I hated my husband. The truth was I was super tired and all of modern day mothering messaging was getting in the way of my happiness and my sleep and my sanity. And from that movement moment forward, I started prioritizing sleep because I knew that I needed to do that. And I'll tell you in a world of go, 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 hustle, 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 you are not encouraged to prioritize sleep. You're told you probably should, or that you should read this book, or you should eat this food, or you should not eat this food, or you should do this, or you should do that. There they is don't literally- give you forgiving and actionable ways to do that. No. Not at all. They just give you to-do lists and then tell you you're never doing enough. And I was so tired of that because I was finally a mom. It was a lifelong dream of mine to be a mom. And why was I wasting it on all of this outside messaging that was so discouraging? So I shut it all out. I prioritized sleep and I discovered bed sharing, which was like the first big opt out. Oh my gosh, how could you thing that I did. And then I discovered baby wearing and not just the baby wearing that I was told I was supposed to do, but my sister introduced me to a whole other world of comfortable baby carriers and stylish baby carriers and (laughs) attachment parenting and all these different philosophies that just said to heck with the way the world is telling us to parent. So when I started to realize how under-resourced I was, even though I had read all the books that they told me to read and done all the things that I had been told to do by modern culture. It was when I started to opt out of that and seek out other books and other perspectives and other resources that I realized that, man, we are being fed a bunch of poison and it's time that we opt out of that. And when you do that, pardon me, when you do that, It becomes really clear that there's a lot of other people out there on the fringe who are also opting out. And you got a lot of friends out there and a lot of moms who are seeking happiness and actual participation in our lives rather than us just being completely replaced by rocking bassinets and babysitters and preschool and all these different stuff. It's like I started to embrace my role as mom, and but I had to do that outside of modern messaging. I completely agree with that. I have been researching uh, my next book on the raising self-sufficient children. And I, and I, I've basically been researching it for 10 years without realizing that I was researching it. And it's that 
every so many of the parenting and child psychology books out there are just part of this system that we're trying to opt out of. Mm-hmm. It's just propaganda on how to raise these kids that everybody is fed up with how this generation is being put forth to us. Right. There's sales books at this point. <clears throat> exactly. So I've actually stopped. I still, I still read them because I feel like there's some understanding in it, mm-hmm. but a lot of my writing and the practices that I put forth with my kids actually come from adult self-help books that are these adults saying everything is messed up. How do I fix it? And right. I went backwards from there. Mm-hmm. I think that you're really onto something there that it, a lot of the wisdom is found in books outside of what the intended topic mm-hmm. was meant to be. Um, Jennifer Pepito just wrote a lovely book called mothering by the book, where she highlights all the different lessons that she learned about life and mothering and parenting and marriage and all of this by reading literature, like little house on the prairie, like little Mm -hmm. bridges, like endurance, all these different books that have nothing to do with parenting. But when you're looking at those self-help books, it encourages Mm self-reflection and it encourages you to find resources that are applicable to you. So that makes total sense to me how seeking out adult self-help books that encourages self-reflection, which is vital for growth, vital for understanding. Um, and it encourages you to participate rather than consume. I feel like so much of the messaging is like teaching us to be consumers rather than actual participants in our life. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and and again, like you were saying, it's, there's so much pressures that put on it. You feel like you're just in this rat race of trying to keep up, like just going down the conveyor belt and making sure mm-hmm. that you grab everything that you're supposed to, with my air quotes, supposed to grab. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, I'm going to share a fairly inconvenient truth. <laughs> I like and it. And that is, it's also part of distraction. I feel like there's so much distraction in our world too, that a lot of um, these things of like, well, there's so much pressure on Instagram to show up in the way other people on Instagram do, or have an Instagram worthy home or a pin worthy home. But the inconvenient truth is, I don't think that that's what's holding us back. I don't think us try, you know, Instagram isn't holding us back. Pinterest isn't holding us back. Unrealistic expectations set by society. I guess we could say they're holding us back, but really it's our choice to participate in that that's Mm -hmm. holding us back. So we can look at Pinterest and say, ugh, it makes me feel unworthy or like I'm never enough. Or we can just opt out of looking at it. We can opt out of that thinking and just say, oh, I feel inadequate when I look at that. Why is that? Do I value that? Is there something in there that I value? Or is it something that society is telling me to value and be more like? So if you can pause and stop blaming, because we're also taught to blame, not only to consume, but also to blame constantly. And if we can just reflect on that and say, Ooh, am I participating in this Mm -hmm. Um, messaging? Am I participating in this? Do I want to? And if you can just pause and boy, this, the rat race does not want you to pause. They do not want you to stop and think and look around. But the moment that you do, you can step out of a lot of that discomfort of, I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm not worthy. Why? Because they told you to look at this and feel unworthy or because you actually do. And if you do, that's a fleeting feeling that you can replace with thought and self-reflection. Okay. So I'm going to sound like a broken record to my listeners. Good. (laughs) But have you read the book, the four agreements? No, read it. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm going to repeat myself. Read it. (laughs) You know, it's a really short book. You can probably read it in like, you know, an afternoon. Okay. And it changed my life. Like absolutely 100% changed my life. And it's basically that those four agreements are agreements that we unknowingly agree to with society from day one and how to kind of break that thought pattern. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's one on love too, which um, I haven't read that one yet. So I'll let you know how that one goes, but (laughs) I know that the first one has been life-changing for me. And like, I suggest it to everybody and like even my best friend, she's like, can you have a copy I could borrow? I was like, no, no, because I reread mine. (laughs) That's awesome. I actually like messages on repeat. I think it's really important um, that we hear messages on repeat because we live in a society that's like five second reels and this, and then Mm -hmm. on to the next and on to the next and on to the next. I do think it's important to reread books and philosophies and all of that. And I can picture, I think I might own a copy of the four agreements. It was given to me. It's like, yeah. And it's got like four leaves Mm -hmm. or something on the front. Yeah. I, I own it somewhere in the chaos of the move. And at first I was a little like sketchy because it looked like it, and it does talk a little bit at the beginning about like Aztec religion or something, but it's kind of just explaining where his thought process came from it. Gotcha. Like a personal mm-hmm. history kind of mm-hmm. thing. I always yeah. appreciate that. It's a really popular book. I want to say it's like a bestseller of some kind and yet, and it's changing people's lives. And yet our society still has yet to be changed buy it. I will say that's another secret to me feeling more peaceful as a mom, as a homeschool parent, as a wife, all of that is the notion of aligning my actions and values, because we could all read that book, the four agreements, but if, and, and align with it and say, yes, I align with Mm -hmm. this. This is, this is something that I need to do. But unless we take those action steps of aligning our actions and our values and saying, I value this. And now it's time to align my actions with that. I mean, it even says, I just read in the Bible this morning and I'm not, I'm not going to quote it. We talked about this. I can't, I don't know whether it's like Hebrews or what exactly, but basically faith without action is useless. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about books like this. So mm -hmm. I'm actually excited to read it because I think that that's a missing element in our culture too, is that we're not aligning our actions with things that we say that we value. Well, and for my listeners, I did a interview with Lori Beth on her podcast this morning before this one. So make sure you check out that episode as well. I think they're going to be airing similar times. So that'll be really fun. But something we talked about with my curriculum, what my goal was is to take the science information that I was able to find and put that in a way that your children are able to learn. And something that I think that her and I are almost talking about right now with these ideas of opting out I know one of my goals is to take this information that I found and put it in, put it in a way that, like I had said a minute ago for forgivable and actionable steps, because sometimes you just need permission with, to do what you feel like you need to do mm-hmm. um, with all the societal pressures that we have. If you can't feel forgiven in yourself for getting the sleep that you know that you need, I, I give you permission to go get that sleep that you need if that's because I know I had um I grew up in a way where I had to question and uh get permission for 
almost every thought that I had. And I'm not going to go into that very much right now, but even as an adult, even in reading my four agreements and shedding a lot of those pressures that I have, I still sometimes like, I still like, I asked my husband, like, are you okay if I take a nap? And he's like, uh, go for it. Like, I'm here. There's five other kids that can keep an eye on the baby. Like, why are you asking my permission? Mm-hmm. So I feel that. I feel like that would be a struggle in my house too, to a certain degree, even though we have our stuff together and we prioritize lifelong learning and we have these family values <laughs> we live out, but it's still a lot of unlearning. And I think that that forgiveness piece is really important just so we can forgive to move forward or do whatever it is we need to do to release ourselves to move forward and to continue to grow because we are growing. It's what our spirit wants to do. It's Mm -hmm. what it is we're supposed to do. We know that it sets a good example for our kids and all of these things, but I think it's different for every mom, like what it is you need to unplug and move forward. Um, I don't mean unplug from the internet. I mean, it's like, you're just corked up and you just, sometimes maybe we should do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's that too. (laughs) So you just, whatever it is you need to do to move forward. And I think that's going to look different for everyone. It could look like Mm -hmm. forgiveness. It could look like taking more time for yourself. It could look like clearer communication, praying about it. There's just so many ways that we're going to have to unpack what it is we need to unpack in order to move forward. And that's why I like that self-help book that you were talking about earlier, just anything that can help us reflect and take some time to think about what it is our needs are, because I think that's a super important part of showing up as a mom and a homeschool parent is knowing what it is we need and making sure those needs are met too. Absolutely. That, that, that's a, that's a big piece. I mean, as these homeschool homestead type moms, um, you know, especially ones that the husbands are working still, you know, I say mm-hmm. still, cause so many of them are trying to come home as well that, you know, we're running farms, we're running the house, we're running the kids. Many of us are running businesses and we want to do all those things. We don't, we don't want to give up our control of those. Sure, things. Give it. I got it. Give it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. But we also need to feel okay to delegate those responsibilities or to take a day off once in a while. And, you know, I, I have, I have older kids, I think than you have. And, but I, I started my kids at your kids' age, helping around the house. And in a way, I think everybody will say like, oh yeah, my kids help. No, my, my kids each took on a role in the house that they have been in charge of. And they all have a role in the farm that they're in charge of. And it's been an amazing, we work together in such an amazing way. And it makes it where I'm able to do all the things that I do. And my husband can do all the things that he does. And the kids are able to do all their things too, because our chores are done. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get the question a lot of, you know, how do you do it all? I get that question all the time of like, how can you have a podcast and homeschool the kids and flip houses and do this and do that? Like, how can you do all those things? I don't. (laughs) Not all at once. That's for sure. (laughs) I feel that way about lessons too. Like, how can we learn all these lessons? How can we take time to self-reflect? How can we learn to meet our needs? And it's not a light switch that gets flipped. It's not like you and I wake up in the morning and just flip on the light switch and just like everything starts to get done and there's magically time for everything like that doesn't happen. 
It's the same way with life lessons, I feel like too. So I'm not great at keeping house at this moment in my life. I'm just not. I'm sitting next to a pile of laundry right here <laughs> that literally is up to the the seat of the chair <laughs> that I yeah, should probably happens. do something with. Yeah. And But it's every day learning just a little bit more about that. It's almost like the self-reflection piece too and figuring out what our needs are. It's just going to be a little bit every day showing up. And it starts off with saying like, hey, you know what? I need to use the bathroom right now. And I'm going to do that. Or, Hey, I need some help with the laundry, or I just need you to carry that upstairs for me, or I need you to put this away. And we don't have to do it in a mean or aggressive way. Although sometimes it comes out that way kind of gruff, um, but it's lessons every single day, like drops in a bucket. I feel like, and maybe you can speak more. You're farther down the road than I am when it comes to things like chores and, and learning and working together as a family. It was, it like drops in a bucket every single day, just showing up and, yeah. I mean, it was, we just started small. Um, mm-hmm. We picked one thing to master and then moved on to the next. I usually use my bread making as an example. Uh, we mastered making bread. Like my daughter and I just spent a few, I say days, it ended up being months, but yeah, you know, delicious it, one, months. <laughs> yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. All of it was good, <laughs> but we started, I had never made homemade bread before. So I started with a bread machine and we tried it a few different ways. We finally mastered a way that we were good with, but I wasn't in love with it because it had the little paddle at the bottom that made the hole in my bread and the loaves were really tall. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do I do? Well, then we actually, you know, I've tried like making it by hand, but that's so exhausting. Like, I don't have time for that. And so <laughs> we actually do a hybrid version where we make bread in we make dough in the bread maker and then we split it and let into two loaves and let it do its second rise on the stove and then throw it in the oven. Mm. And I batch make our bread bags, like with all the flour and everything and the different ingredients I use so that the kids can just drop the bag right into the bread maker. That's genius. And, you know, right. You know, right now we're in a season where we don't make bread. Although my daughter made breadsticks the other night because she goes, Hey mom, can I try to make breadsticks? Sure. She's like, how do I make them? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not digging out a recipe right now. You're 14. Figure it out. And she used the bread machine, made dough, rolled it out, put stuff on it. She braided the dough. Like, it was beautiful. And they were delicious. And and that's the types of things that, like, we put that one thing in place that has now made it where other things can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, With that, you know, we live an hour from town almost. I mean, if we go to town grocery shopping, it's a minimum three hour thing. Yeah. And so minimum. minimum, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, uh, you know, take bread and have that done, then we aren't having to go to town as often. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even though we're only maybe saving a dollar making that loaf of bread, we're probably saving $25 for each time we don't have to drive to town. Mm -hmm. And that's just a guess. Mm -hmm. More than that, it's the participation over consumerism piece for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of that joy comes from and that connection and that feeling like you did it, you know? Yeah, we can probably all drive to the grocery store with all of our kids and get back in the car and drive it home and successfully put away all the groceries without forgetting something and be like, we did it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we participated, but I'll tell you, there's a, just a different level of connection and mm-hmm. that feeling of, I did it when you make your own bread at home. We are totally mm-hmm. on a bread making kick. I took a sourdough class here and I have two loaves uh, rising downstairs as mm-hmm. we speak. And I totally made like blueberry muffin bread. That was a absolute fail <laughs> yesterday. Um, I didn't follow the recipe and now I learned things. <laughs> we'll do it differently next time. I but have found baking. You have to follow the recipe sauteing. You don't. <laughs> okay. That's why I'm a better cook than a baker because I'm like, ah, it kind of looks like a cup of flour. No, it has to be the cup of flour. Yeah. Otherwise it gets a little nuts, but it is in that participation and making things for yourself. That just mm-hmm. feels so, so, so good. Yeah. And you know, it, and again, you know, the three hour trip to town, what could we be doing with our life mm-hmm. just because we're out of milk and bread? Now it might make, take three hours to bake the bread and milk the cow and everything else that we do with that, but we're doing it as a family and mm-hmm. we're learning and we're consuming better products. And it's, and like I said, you know, we just add one piece at a time until it was no longer work. It was life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And opting out kind of becomes a way of life and it feels so good and it gets more natural with practice every single day. But all of my peace comes from opting out of mainstream messaging about motherhood and participating Mm -hmm. in your life. And I mean, like blocking all of it out because I could have people say like, I'm a slave to my house because I choose to stay home or I'm a slave to my husband or a slave to my family or whatever. And just, there's all kinds of different theories from feminism to education philosophies that tell me that I am doing it all wrong, but I have to block those out and focus on what's best for my family. But that takes a lot of practice and a lot of gumption. I'll tell you, and some audacity thrown in (laughs) a dash of audacity because there is not a lot of messaging out there that wants you to be independent and entrepreneurial and family focused because the, no way the messaging we're getting is the opposite of all of that. Well, cause then you're not getting in line, you know? Right. Right. And you know, we're just running around like crazy little ducklings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the duck farmer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally, it's, I guess I share all of this because I want people to feel encouraged that if you feel the urge to opt out and to do things differently, you feel the urge to bed share when the world tells you that you're going to murder your baby. If you do that, you know, and if you don't have your baby in a separate room and everything in your being is saying, I, that doesn't feel natural to me. I don't want to do that. You know, if you want to hold your baby and the world, everyone from your mother-in-law to to whatever the trendy book is, is telling you don't breastfeed your baby past a certain age. And you're like, that doesn't feel right to me. Or like you're holding your baby too much, put them down or give them to someone else, or you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And your mama instincts are saying, you know, that just doesn't feel right to me. Like Mm -hmm. I want to encourage people to lean into that and know that you're not alone. There are many, many, many of us who are waking up to our intuition as moms and saying, actually, that feels more like the truth to me than all of these other messages I'm getting that you have my permission, probably Goaty's permission to share, show <laughs> up like that and to listen to your instincts more, but it's going to take a lot of opting out and putting on the ear earmuffs, if you will, and putting your head, I would say down, but have it up and look <laughs> around and keep to your path. And you know what? It, it, it's so funny. I actually, 
I was listening to you talk about like wanting to, you know, bed share and breastfeed. And I was, when, as soon as you started to say that, I started to feel guilt because I wasn't able to do that with my three-year-old. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like when you're in mainstream, it's all, you give them formula and you go back to work. And then you go into our opt out world and it's, you wear them and breastfeed them as you're working, milking your cow, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you feel like you want to fit in that group as well. Oh. And for me, my, you know, my three-year-old was seven weeks early. He was in the NICU. I had to pump every bit of milk for him. Mm-hmm. And I did that for, let's see, it was June when I was born in, I don't know, it's like four or five months. He got out of the NICU before then, but he could never latch. Right. So I, I pumped and all I did was pump. And this poor baby was in the NICU for two months and then came home. And my husband was the only one who ever got to hold him because I spent all of my time pumping for him. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting sick. We had talked about this before the show a little bit where my body started attacking itself. And the only way I could stop it was with steroids. So if I was going on steroids, then I couldn't be pumping for my baby. And I was so sick over it. And then the first time I fed him a formula bottle was the first time I got to sit in the recliner with my baby and rock him and feed him. Wow. You remember exactly how that felt too. I did. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my most beautiful moments with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, getting off the cliff, just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, it's showing up in the truth of what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. And you followed that path with opposition, I'm sure from both sides mm-hmm. saying like, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. This is what this looks like in order to fit in with this group of moms over here. You know, you have mm-hmm. to do that. I'll tell you, there's, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way that you showed up. Pumping like that is just wild. I I was never a successful pumper. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if I wanted to be, I felt like that just didn't make any sense to me or my body and I didn't pursue it more, but that doesn't mean I'm any less of a mom or that I don't fit into a different group, you know, a group of moms who understands like pumping, man. I just have tons of admiration for moms who show up with all the challenges that we are presented with because we're all presented with different challenges. And, and we do feel those pressures to fit into different groups or feel like we have to fit, uh, wear certain things or do certain things or wear a certain brand of baby carrier or carry it all (laughs) or whatever it is, you know, or work or not work in order to fit in. But I think that there is also the energy of those of us who are just showing up and living our truths and following our intuition. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a more powerful and real and honest and true connection than whether or not your outfit, you know, your baby's outfit is organic or not. (laughs) Yesterday he wore his sister's tank top, like a dress all day long. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) those outfits are totally acceptable. Not that we didn't put him uh, in a reasonable outfit, but he was helping, helping with laundry because he has to help with everything. And, you know, it's, (laughs) sometimes it's just life. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was on a homeschool podcast the other day and 
they're like, okay, we like to ask everybody, you know, what is your, what did they even call it? Like your morning routine or like a morning basket, morning, morning time. Maybe not. Oh, why can't I think of the word right now? It's the energy of the day, right? Like even for people who are listening, I'm sure (laughs) there's these words, there's this word that everybody uses. Like what's your cycle or something, some beautiful word about how everybody homeschools and I even have a blog about it I can I can imagine what my blog uh graphic even looks like for this (laughs) but they're like you know what is what is your mornings like and I'm like well currently my five-year-old refuses to put on pants and he's playing tug-of-war with the puppy over a stuffed animal but you know (laughs) (laughs) oh I think the more that people show up as themselves (laughs) And the more people recognize that we can recognize that, you know, mm-hmm. we can, we can feel the truth behind people's statements and, and their struggles and their stories and all of that. And I think that's where the real friendships come in and the connection and camaraderie and all of that. Are you yeah, looking at the name of your thing? That's I, awesome. I'm looking up my thing. Um so terrible I can't stand it though um they you know it's like we said like you know are you even really doing it right if your child is wearing pants you know so yeah (laughs) it's just it's it's life when you're homeschooling you know it's Mm -hmm. every like you said the Pinterest houses and the uh Instagram houses like if that's how you're able to run your life and keep it looking like that so much more power to you Mm -hmm. I cannot I can't even pretend to like even when I clean my house I have six kids and five dogs Mm -hmm. nothing ever is clean Mm -hmm. I feel that I also feel like we're all motivated there is no one size fits all answer for anything ever that's like a motto on my podcast Mm -hmm. big time is there is no one size fits all answer for anything ever and if you need perspective on your life put on those lenses and you'll be like oh gosh there's a million you know times a million solutions to everything we're all motivated by different things is the point I'm getting at because I'm really struck by a conversation I had with a friend who's very tickety-boo. She homeschools, she works from home, her husband has a business that's based out of their home, and she's very tickety-boo, very. Her house is immaculate, her gardens are awesome, and that's the real deal. She's actually showing up as herself in the real deal and doing that. And I, for a long time, I think I kind of held on to that as like, wow, we are not the same in a, in a kind of judgmental way <laughs> and, I found um, the word and, or like oh what is it daily rhythm daily rhythm oh I actually I have a blog post that I did called our daily rhythm not beautifully described that's awesome okay I feel like everybody should link to that and we should look that up right there everybody talks about like their beautiful daily rhythm and I'm like mine is not <laughs> mine's like feed the pigs and kids stomping through the living room in poo covered booths this is this is a conundrum for me even in the suburbs in fact my one daughter who is very tickety-boo and very organized will take off her chicken boots and walk them through the house to the front door to set them outside the front door because the dog will chew them if they are left out back 
Oh, wow. I wish my kids would even fathom that that's a thing. It's one out of six of us. So (laughs) (laughs) my kids are like, scrape the poo off on my front steps, kick the boots off in my walkway. Then, you know, as they open the door, they're kicking the boots back out the front door and then the dog gets them and then they're like shocked every time that their boots are missing. Yeah, that a dog would be attracted to poo covered boots. It's like everything a dog is, it's like the dog's dream toy. I totally get it. <laughs> but, you know, we're, I don't try to change my daughter and I don't try to encourage anybody else to be like my daughter either. I don't set that as like the standard in our house. Um, even though some other people would say like, well, that's the obvious standard, you know, that's just how you should handle that. But just know that we'd all probably handle it very differently. And I would handle it differently. And my poo covered boots would probably get chewed up. I love that this is the example. But my girlfriend was, I don't want to say she was offended by conversations of like, well, what if we just like clean houses? And what if we feel like that's us being a good steward of our homes? And that feels like an important lesson to us. And we live at like such a slow pace of life with no animals, really. I'll point that out. (laughs) And like half the children that I have. Um, but that, that felt important to her. And she felt like by her doing that, she was being a good steward by being a minimalist. And I'm like, you know what? I actually can appreciate that about you. Not because of the condition of your house, not because of your perfect daily rhythm, not because of anything that appears perfect, but because you are living your truth. And that is easy for me to respect because I understand your why behind it. And there is not one ounce of that beautiful woman who is saying, this should be your standard. You too should have the same goals as me. Right. And you know what? It's yeah. I mean, my, I like being very organized when my kids were, which you're looking at my office behind me right now, but keep in mind that I was gone for 12 days and my kids ran my business. So it's amazing. <laughs> um, when my kids all went to public school and it was just my husband and I at home, my house was spotless. Oh, really? Yeah. I wondered this. I've never experienced this. Because <laughs> you, you can get into a routine where, yeah. you know, like the kids all had their evening chores and that included dishes and stuff with my husband and I helping. And they went to bed and I could get up in the morning and have my coffee and be ready to start my day. And that could include, you know, some sweeping and some mopping and a little dusting and I could be done in an hour. You know, I was always running laundry. So, I mean, I just kept that going and there was really nothing to clean up because there was no one there making messes. I've given up on the fact that my house will ever be clean when my children are home all the time. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came out this morning to my three-year-old in my recliner eating cereal with milk all over my recliner and he's like proud as pie and my other kids are in the kitchen and I'm like what is going on they're like what I'm like branches in my chair they're like we put him at the table and I'm like well (laughs) he's not at the table big ideas yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean it's just it's all the time it's constant and I there was just no way to ever completely stay on top of that Mm-hmm. I feel the same. And I'm really at peace with that. Um, and I think it has something to do with my upbringing too. And, you know, there are definitely moments of my childhood where I felt like a clean house was more important than a relationship. 
And that's hard, but I think that I'm not alone in that. The more that Mm -hmm. I talk about that, you know, without bashing my mother, but just, she was younger, way younger than me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she had four kids by the time she was like 24. I am 42 and have, and have four kids. So I feel like my perspective is a little bit different. And I just value the relationship over a clean house or a beautiful rhythm Mm -hmm. more than I do anything else. So my relationship with them feels more important, but it does take a lot of finding peace with the mess and the chaos and all of that. And um, interestingly enough, I think one of the struggles that I hear about often too, is that husbands have a harder time sometimes getting on board with the mess than the moms. Like, But they're I less likely a lot of... to help mitigate the mess. Well, <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> At least in <laughs> stories that I've heard. Uh, it's it's interesting because then it gets into the whole realm of roles and all of that. And our society tells us that moms do everything. We don't do everything. We're married to capable men Mm -hmm. and we have capable children and we're raising them. So I try to tackle this topic without becoming a martyr about it, um, which is really challenging because our society wants you to feel like a martyr and to feel wronged and all of that. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's other ways of looking at it, but I will say that, this mess and making peace with it looks different. Like we have to make peace with it. And then we have to come to peace with it with our husbands, which is a very long years long process that I'm not sure Mm -hmm. anyone fully ever uh, figures out, but some people do probably. Well, I was say, honestly, I think it's, you know, we think we do everything Mm -hmm. and whether we're physically doing it or not, you know, my husband helps a lot. He, he's a stay at home dad. So he cooks half the meals. He, deals with the kids you know I mean he does he's on the floor doing homeschool with the five-year-old that's not the part that he doesn't help with it's the part of planning every single piece of Mm -hmm. it and that gives us the decision fatigue and for sure feeling like we have to manage every single moving part of our homes even if we are okay with the mess we still know which messes are there and what is in that mess Mm-hmm. And I'm super glad you brought that up. I think that's beyond anything that even the average man can begin to comprehend. And that's not a dig on men. That's just the way we're wired. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think there's huge differences between men and women and how it is they show up and thank heavens for it because <laughs> I need my husband's right? perspective um, a lot um, to keep from going crazy. And so one of the clarities we work on is like, I think we were talking about, I don't remember if it was your episode or mine, but it, you know, Hey, I need help Mm -hmm. with dinner. And the response back is, yeah, sure. No problem. What should I make? Mm -hmm. And so I've had to make it really clear to him that on the night that he's handling meals, he needs to handle it from start to finish, like plan it. If he needs to grocery shop, if he needs to thaw out meat, I need that completely off my plate where I can do whatever I need to do as mom. And at six o'clock dinner is ready. Just mm-hmm. like he, on the days that it's on me, he can do whatever he needs to do to be dad. And at six o'clock, his dinner is ready. Mm-hmm. So it's the clarity. For sure. And communication. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's messy too. You want to talk about a messy house. I think sometimes clear communication and learning how to do that is even messier than, than the house because <laughs> we're all together <laughs> all the time. There's plenty of op- options to uh, practice it. That's for sure. You know, I, I said all of my piece comes from opting out. I will add one more 
one more idea to that. And that is the need for different types of rest. I had interviewed um, Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith on my uh, podcast about the different types of rest. And one of, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I am a changed person because of this, because I valued what it is she said, and I put it into action. And I think it goes into the clear communication piece and saying like, Hey, I need to use the bathroom. I need like basic needs to be met. I need more sleep. I need more rest. I need more this and the other thing, but something I need often is auditory rest. Um, I get really super overwhelmed if there's a lot of auditory input, if there's, mm -hmm. and I have a very loud house and my house is not as loud as other people's houses, but there's the farm animals, there's the dog, there's the talking, there's the, it's the television, it's this, it's that it's just so much all at once. And sometimes I need auditory rest and I have to say out loud, like, Hey, it's too much for me right now. I feel overwhelmed and I'm starting to get anxious and kind of angry mm -hmm. and frustrated. And it's because everything's too loud for me right now. And that's not a flaw within myself. That's just something I know about myself. And so I presented that to my family as like, I'm really overwhelmed and overstimulated right now. I need, I need quiet. I need that. And you know what they'll do? They'll go over and they'll turn off the record player or they'll take their game to a different mm -hmm. room or they will say, okay, you know what? I'll take over stirring the stirring the soup or whatever, you know, you go upstairs because I need that sort of rest. And I think that when you talk about decision fatigue, I made the connection just now that I think I need rest in the decision department too. Mm -hmm. And I can see where it would help with clear communication and and happiness in general, if I were to say, Hey, one of my rest things is not auditory right now. And it's not sleep-based, but it's decision-based. I mm -hmm. need a break from the decision-making. Yes. It's, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that auditory piece. I have that one too. So I did notice that we're about out of time and there's a couple more things I still want to cover. Um, so I ask all my guests the same question. And that is, what does keep growing mean to you? Ooh, lifelong learning. That's ah, what it means. Love it. Big time. Keep growing. Oh my gosh. It means read. It means listen to the audio books while you're doing the dishes or getting stuff done. It means um, reading outside of just what it is you're teaching your kids, reading for oh, your own you interests. Are my people. <laughs> I, I try so hard pursuing passions, creating things, you know, studying something and not just feeling like school is reserved for kids or grades, <laughs> or that once you graduate or have degrees, that means you're qualified to learn. Oh, you can learn anything at any time. And it's constant, constant, constant. And the sooner that we can embrace that, I think the fuller and longer our life is going to be. Oh, I love it. So where can everybody find you? Well, the best place to find me is at elevatingmotherhood.com. I'm also on Instagram at Lori Beth Aldridge. Um, I answer my DMs. So send me a DM or an email, Lori Beth at elevatingmotherhood.com or fill out the form on my website, elevatingmotherhood.com. I love connecting with other moms and would love to help you find a resource that's going to encourage you. And she really is just the best. We met several months ago and have just had the best time getting to know each other. And so I really hope you guys take the time to get to know her too. Have a good one. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. 
Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing. Thank you.